Association for the Visual Arts is the peak body protecting and promoting the professional interests of the Australian visual arts. Nava in Conversation is a series exploring the issues and challenges of working in the sector. We speak with artists, curators and administrators to gain insight into the experiences of contemporary practice and seek to propose ideas for change, progress and resilience in both local and global contexts. and I work under the pseudonym Ad Hoc as an artist, producer and writer and behind the scenes as a mentor, media advisor and project manager. I've spent many years trying to untangle the subtle complexities around the ways gender has a political, economic and social impact on the arts industry and in Australian society. One way I've dealt with this was as the founder and director of the Found Festival in 2014 and 2015 which was a live arts event that brought together hundreds of female artists, thinkers and performers of all persuasions to present their work in a collective act of what I called positive protest. For this episode of Nava in Conversation, Women and Industrial Relations, I've invited Devon Taylor, the Executive Director of the Women's Circus in Melbourne, to talk about her experience at the helm of this 26-year-old feminist performing arts organisation in particular as they navigate the often divisive space around gender and identity politics in the age of social media. The arts should sit within the kind of community welfare space because it helps with social cohesion about, you know, abilities for people to feel connected and and feel like they have something to say. I'm a big advocate of story. And if people can't tell their story, um, however that looks, and maybe not everyone wants to tell their story through becoming a, an entrepreneur, then there's a whole swath of the community that, that isn't heard and isn't, doesn't have a space. And I feel like the arts can give them space to, to have their stories be heard. It's preferencing that capitalist model that does privilege aggressors and mm. narcissists and people that are more willing to potentially, you know, push others aside so that their art or their organisation will get to the top. Well, and also the other part for me, though, is like ultimately I want to get to a point where we're self-sustaining and we don't have to rely on funding. You know, philanthropic and foundations and trusts are um, in a way an interesting space because they're really like they don't account to anyone except they're like they have their accountable systems. But it really does become a really quite a generous space if you if you get in and you develop a a relationship with a, a philanthropic. It does feel like whether it's from social media and the ability for everyone to share what's happening. It's definitely more of a global issue than just an Australian one. Oh, like right. Donald Trump just saying he's going to cut the whole of the NBA. everything. Yeah. It's gone. Like, so there will be nothing. No, well, I mean, I think it's often where the first it's silence. For there. a wealthy Western country yeah. to say we will not support the arts in any way, mm. that is mind-blowing. So there is a feeling 
of artists globally working more towards saying no this isn't okay We're well I think it's about I think the role of the artist is often holding making sure that people are held accountable <laughs> like it's like mm. and whether or not that that's not that comes through satire or whether or not that comes through you know um rigorous discussion or through collaborative engagement and things like that like I think you know do you think at the end of the day it can actually can satire compete with this real life <laughs> well yeah with the structural inequality that these people that already are in these positions of power have oh well I mean I, it's sort of it's amazing like we all have a laugh but then we just are at home like everything's fucked that was funny though good night <laughs> like well and I think it's also kind of disturbing because every day it's like I, I, I look at things and I go wait is this a satire piece or is this real <laughs> is this the onion or is this the newspaper <laughs> <laughs> which is why fake news as it's called has been able to rise because I think the world has become a bit absurdist where there has been points where you're like is this actually news that I'm looking at it seems so unbelievable yeah I think sometimes narrowing your scope and bringing it down to the local. I think there is something about connecting with literally your neighbor Mm. through some sort of neighborhood art walk or whatever it's going to be. Because I think the thing that's happening now is people feel exhausted. You have to work constantly. You're having everything cut. You're being told all the time about all these horrific things happening in the world. You're just fucking exhausted. And my impression is that humans need sustenance <laughs> both no. like both like literal food in your mouth but also just like kind of emotional sustenance or a sense of like validation in this world like i am a person who can be here like i lived in a regional town that probably had less people than some of the apartment blocks that are coming up in in footscray yeah. right and and the arts and community were vital to that small town I mean, organizations coming together well, to the arts west stuff that we're part, yeah. that we're part of it's it's been actually really refreshing because not only is it slowly working so that's a it's a, a consortia or an alliance or a coalition whatever we want to call ourselves of seven arts organizations in the west loosely it's because we're all funded to be a member of arts west currently it's we've identified the funded or- arts organizations in the west so that we're part, those are the people who are part of it. That's not to say at some point it won't open up, but I guess it's around if you receive funding, then you might have the capacity to engage with this project because it takes time. Mm-hmm. But I see the inherent long-term benefit from this, and it's been really refreshing, like I said, is that we receive funding from two philanthropics, and they get it. They understand that it's going to be slow-moving, that it's going to maybe not be like tick boxes but it will be these sort of um intangible kind of woven thread like like eventually at the end it'll be a nice tapestry (laughs) 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 but you know what I mean like and now the great thing is is that there is a sense of loyalty I feel um to each other and looking out for each other but like it's I think that one of the reasons is because we talk regularly we you know we talk about we also can identify what we're programming so we don't clash or or i can say not us but here go to these people instead because they would be better to deliver what you're looking Mm. for yeah and i don't think you can't kind of quantify that i mean we can but 
so the Arts West thing is about resource sharing. Like, now I can just put up on our closed Facebook group who's got some chairs. And if they've got them, they'll lend them to me because we all have a loyalty to each other that has been established through this consort, you know, model. But I think that also takes a lot of time, and yeah. um, and you have to reach that level where you can be included in a professional kind of yeah. For example, with the Arts West stuff, there's there's not immediate tangible results, right? Like it's sort of we're looking at long term stuff. So we're in the development of creating an of a like an ebook that will then be about our learnings that can then be leveraged out to the sector so that people don't make the same mistakes that we did, for example. Mm. But I think it's important to kind of be pushing against the structures. And that can be about, like, knowing that, yeah, you're not alone. You can ask. We're not in competition with each other. I think it's important to acknowledge with women's circus, and I think justifiably, is like they're a 25-year-old feminist organization. And so they, you know, what they did in 1991 really shaped, you know, it's shaped the pathways of a lot of women. I feel quite confident in saying that we are a feminist organization. I mean, look at the social media space. I would love to create. I mean, we've we've one of the things I need to look at is, or we need to look at, is sort of a communication policy because it is a it is a difficult space where you have to try and be, um, and you want to be inclusive. Um, Do you mean around terminology or yeah. just your approach? A bit of both, I think. I think that you know, also. Women's Circus is a, its own organization and it can't be defined simply by the person who's behind the computer or who's in the particular role. So that when we make decisions, we know that it ha- there's integrity behind it. But, uh, I mean, it's kind of an interesting space right now. I think we've got these amazing women who have, you know, we have members that have been with us for 25 years who have been in every show. I've got a staff member who's been with the organization for 20 years. But then we've got women who are coming in who are part of this newer generation of feminists mm. um, and acknowledging that it's like we're all kind of working towards the same goal and that these women are like the ones who are, have been there for a long time are like just phenomenal people and we should be learning from them. We talk about that a lot, that there does seem to be a feeling some of the time of pushing these women aside because maybe to a millennial that hasn't gone through this sort of academic gender studies or feminism they seem outmoded but they have worked their asses off for this generation yeah. to be able to say fuck off <laughs> no i think i think that's that's where uh, women's circus our diversity is an age primarily you know but i think what we excel at at the moment is yeah you you go see our last show you went and saw 30 women who ranged in age from like 22 to 68 you know we had women who were like i only have friendships i only have a relationship with a woman that age because she's my grandmother or she's my aunt Mm. and our focus is definitely going to be on this intergenerational thing i think you know a lot of our language at women's circus has been around acknowledging the legacy trying to kind of encourage a new generation of women to come in, which is happening. I think the sort of 
elder youth space is a really exciting one. Yeah, but I I think you create that because you go out of your way. Because I turned 40 this year. (laughs) (laughs) No, but you go out, you always mention, and I think it's a great term to use, legacy. You are always bringing that back in to your discussions about the women's circus. I think when you don't know your history, you're doomed to repeat it. I think that that is a really important thing for bridging these gaps in feminism. Well, and I think just listen. Women get written out of history all the time. I'm not yeah. going to do that in a feminist organization. You know, but a I mean? lot. I think that is happening in a lot of organizations. It's a revisionism because some of the political ideals aren't in mode at the moment. Mm. So it's not trying to encourage a dialogue between those spaces. It's trying to shut it down to avoid conflict. We ask all the women to pledge at the beginning. Like there's a sort of pledge that they create so that it, there's sort of an ask, you know, there's an investment and that there's like a, like kind of a ritualized thing. And there's also a lot of personal reflection that takes place and you know how much each woman engages is up to them but what more often than not happens is that the women who choose not to engage as much by the end of that process are engaging and have a more of a kind of a I think they they have improved their ability to self-articulate a little but you're in a good position to do that in a way a lot of other organizations aren't because you have membership yeah. And they act as stakeholders and you have to consult them. Which It's evolved that as we have become a funded organization and incorporated, some of those processes have become more bureaucratized or have fallen to the wayside. And, and we're looking at ways to kind of provide more pathways for our members to feel like they can and and, and are able to help define that it isn't just a survey that they act as advocates for us in the broader community. They either work at a school or they work in this area and they tell their friends. But the membership package is like, yay, you're part of a community. Welcome. We can't do this without you. Well, that's feminism, you know, using that as an umbrella term, seems to be shifting away from this argumentative space to being more like, we're having an awesome time. Come and join us. Yeah, it's really fun it's a party over here. Over here for <laughs> sure. What advice would you give to women who are just starting their careers in the arts now? Uh, knowing when to say no is really important. That's a big one. I think that is a good And knowing answer. when to say yes, as in like, I Please can do me. that, or that is mm-hmm. me, I'm, that's, that's my place, I should be there. Uh, but knowing when to say no, I think is a big one. I suffer from that one. That, yeah, there's a, again, I, I feel like the, like, like, that's the whole, you're not alone. Like there's a whole group of women who came before you and there will be a group who come after you and you're part of that whole kind of narrative mm-hmm. uh, and you play a very valid part. Very good advice. Thank you. <laughs> I am very happy. My battery is 2%. It is 9 o'clock on yeah. Wednesday night. I am tired. I think the other advice is like, yeah, don't give so much. Like, I mean, even mm. like kind of learn to moderate a bit. I don't know. The emotional labor. 
the emotional labor stuff. Rein it in. Or get paid for it. Or get paid for it. Yeah. Mm. And you deserve to be paid for everything, basically. Look after yourself. Take a hot bath. Eat no. your veggies. Eat no one to take a break. <laughs> Having a, someone to teach you the business side of things is a major thing. Like, I was, I did a major, major project with Next Wave when I was 20. And I didn't realise until I got much older that, A, they, I had a producer. I was going to say, find a producer. Well, they <laughs> find a good producer. Who talked me through all this stuff so I didn't feel stupid. But they also pushed me to do something way more ambitious and enabled that because they did a lot of the brokering mm. with councils and things. But it also put me in a position where, as a very young artist, to me that was normal. Yeah. So I started from then. I have always written grants. I've always done budgets. I've always gotten my own permits because I started out thinking this is what an artist does like it doesn't matter how wonderful your artwork is everyone's time poor and everyone's exhausted if it if it's an arduous process to engage with you potentially people won't yeah you know and that could come through a partnership like that comes back to the inherent privilege where if you say Mm. have mental health problems or ability issues in in lots of areas yeah. if you aren't good at articulating yeah. yourself you are behind the eight ball yeah and i think that's the onus is on organizations to improve mm. how people access and, and 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 understanding that that everyone's going to have a slightly different approach that said the flip side is like tell people as well because especially in the art sector i think People are open. Self-advocacy is exhausting. You know, we've got to work to, together towards yeah. that. We need um, to meet in the middle. Yeah, I think it's probably arts organisations need to, or organisations yeah. need to kind of move a little bit closer to the middle faster. Well, I think it's unfair to say that's arts organisations. All organisations need to really up their game in terms of inclusivity. And there's lots of resources Especially out there now. Especially not the arts organisations. The capitalist organizations that are for profit. Oh, uh, well, they, I think they're the ones who really need to. I mean, yeah. I think it's amazing because I think arts organizations are leading the way I in know, some and that's ways. what really frustrates me a lot of the time. The shape of the conversation I wanted to have with you was around that because, you know, as someone that's done my own activist kind of art stuff and got incredibly burnt out mm. by doing every role because there was no money, yet. I busted my ass to be as inclusive as possible and to go out of my way to find these communities that wouldn't normally feel included. And I, you know, was feel like I was relatively successful at that. And it makes you be like, how the fuck are these companies not doing this? I'm one person with no money and I'm doing it. So then you know it's a personal choice for them to not do that. Well, it's an economic choice as well. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, but they have made that decision if they're driven by demand right so like they are driven of course. right they create demand but they're driven by demand and that's the catch me too though yeah. is that they are aware that they create the demand so if they want to be lazy in terms of equality they can absolutely and but i guess it's also and, and then by by um when they have 
the bulk of the kind of money. Well, their money, right? <laughs> is that is that they and can draw a conversation resources. and they can also inform kind of cultural desire. But we see that at the moment with the whole like push for Beyonce is a feminist at the Super Bowl because that is on trend and that is a marketable thing that they can capitalize on. It's not to say that the individuals within that system aren't wanting to promote these ideas. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? Eh? But will like, that become you know, not on trend? It's that I imagine it's it's that idea of like mainstream commodification of a word. But isn't it a bad thing now that so many people have have that word as like feminist as example as part of their their vocabulary? Does it have to be about identity? Do people have to have a really no, critical ideas around no, it? It doesn't. But when corporations are capitalizing on that they should put their money where their mouth is Mm. and actually commit to these things long term not just because it is making the money now yeah you know you see a lot of brands saying or international women's day hey want 20 percent off but are they actually doing any advocacy the rest of the time no they're just wanting to appear like, like you said, they're pinkwashing. Yeah. That term is so vulgar. Isn't it? <laughs> it's disgusting. Isn't it horrible? <laughs> but, but that's what it is. But it kind of, I mean, you know, I know. Um, um, I mean, it's, but it's interesting because like I am defined sometimes by either my perceived gender or my physiology but I don't want to be defined by either of those and that's the struggle sometimes, isn't it? Yeah. It's like, don't reduce me to a, a uterus or a vulva. But as we discussed before, we don't live in this utopia and sometimes you have to advocate and bring attention to that stuff. Yeah, but well, I don't think really sometimes it's just, yeah. exhausting Ugh. when you personally don't care or you're like, don't define me this way, I'm not bothered by however you present yourself yeah. and exist in the world. Just leave me the fuck it's alone. alone. <laughs> yeah. I did notice that you have second round applications. Mm, yes, so I was going to say there's two, probably the artist development programs. I mean, we've got second round applications for the Room of One Zone that closes on May 1st, which is, which is the supported resident. It's a residency, so basically you get free space for two weeks. It's a very simple application process. We're working currently with a, an aerialist who is legally blind. So she is on, she's going through a mentorship with one of our circus artists. She's being sponsored to attend a whole bunch of... She's got a scholarship loosely to attend a bunch of classes. They meet regularly. Where she want, she identified that her outcome was to develop herself as an artist. So we're working towards that goal. She works mostly on tissues, which are sort of the... you know. She's like, can I use... Do you have white tissues? Because the black tissues just mean mm. it merges. And I was like, oh, yes. And while we're making... And so we were also getting trainers singlets made up and we've now I've now made sure that there's like four singlets that are white but it was like simple yeah I was like oh yeah I hadn't even thought about that but now I'll always think about that we are solidly an organization that is part of the narrative of the west the areas that we want to work in is primarily the communities in the West. I mean, we'll work with anyone who's willing to pay us, but, you know, I'm kidding. <laughs> um, kidding, not kidding. Yeah, kidding, not kidding. Because <laughs> um, those are sort of, I see, those sort of four defining features of us. We're a circus organization, we're an arts organization, we're a community organization, and primarily our community is working with, for, and alongside women. 
But like when I asked what's our policy, if we exclude people, we have a VCAT exemption to exclude men, right? So we, you're allowed to. We're allowed to discriminate against men. <laughs> That's a yes. great way to put it. <laughs> we are allowed to discriminate. Um, so therefore, I think it's important for us to then define our boundaries so that's important from our end, and then it's also important for people in the community to be able to make their decision about whether or not they want to come and train or engage with our organisation. I think it's a tricky space at the moment that even individuals as citizens can be very afraid to engage in these dialogues. Maybe, um, I'm just saying this, I don't even know if I believe this, but like, yeah, in an ideal world, there aren't women's only spaces Mm. we you know we're beyond gender and everyone's equal and women don't feel unsafe walking down the street at night do you feel that i mean based on the dialogue that's happening at the moment that these organizations like the women's circus that have historically had a gendered focus will become redundant no i don't think so anytime soon no not anytime soon but in this utopian future Ah, Do you you think we will get to that? (laughs) I I like the concept of beyond gender, you know. But is a reality. No, I don't think it is. I I just don't see it playing out. It is fun hanging out with a bunch of women all the time. Labor is, and I'm talking like manual labor where you get paid, which so much of us are defined by. I mean, I go to work. It's my job. But nonetheless, I can go there and feel safe about saying I need to go home because I'm not feeling well. And this isn't, I think, defined just because we're a women's only space, but I can't help, like, because this is where I'm existing. But, like, but it's okay if it is. And I know other people at work for you that say that it is different from other workplaces yeah. because of that. And it's okay to and say... And I forget, I think, until I talk to some of my board members who are women who don't work, who work in corporate sectors, and... It's, it's interesting that you... Not you specifically, but you often pull yourself back out of this fear of saying, oh, it might not be because it's all women. But maybe it is, and that's okay to talk yeah. about. Because you do have a shared experience where you can say... I have my period, I feel like I'm dying, and everyone else will be like, Go no home. problem, see you tomorrow yeah. or whenever. I am the boss, even though I struggle still with my title, um, because it instantiates boss, boss, well, like executive director sounds way too official in some... It, no, you're saying that because you're a woman. No, and it's not even just that. It's not just because I'm a woman, it's because I work for what I consider to be a feminist organization and is a feminist organization. And I feel like that, that kind of dismantling of the hierarchy should be taking place within that place. And by having a title that is about directing people, it kind of, it's in contrast to some of that, those ideologies for me. But you know, being bossy is a really negative term, which apparently I just heard the other day is being banned in some schools bossy you aren't allowed to use the term bossy because it's proven that it's so systemically only directed at girls Girls. yeah Mm. you can say Mm. entrepreneurial leadership skills (laughs) assertive (laughs) ambitious I really hope we all, including myself, 
start to emerge from behind our screens a lot more and have these valuable discussions face-to-face. If you'd like to learn more about the fantastic women's circus programs, such as A Room of One's Own and Still I Rise, or how to be involved, please visit www.womenscircus.org.au. Head to our website, visualarts.net.au, for more information on NABA's advocacy and campaigns for improving the working environment for Australian artists and arts organisations.